Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Umarpreneur live podcast where I interview Muslim entrepreneurs that are at the top of their game or creating something interesting or beneficial to the Ummah. And today I have a really, really special, interesting guest. And it is Brother Abdul Rahman Abbas. And my guest today, he's the co-founder of a new privacy-focused Muslim prayer app called Pillars, which actually, I just found out two seconds ago, hit $40,000, mashallah. So I did want to shout out that uh, in the intro. And he's also the co-founder of a social enterprise called MedMentor, which is a company that aims to empower aspiring medical students with all the tools they need to gain an equal opportunity at a career in medicine. So lots to discuss today. And of course, lots of value to be had through our discussion. And um, I look forward to learning with you guys in this episode. as Rahman. Thank you for being here. Wa alaikum Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It's uh, always a pleasure to speak to people like yourself and entrepreneurs like you who are creating these amazing businesses. Because I always tell people that listen to this podcast, I think the person that enjoys the podcast the most is me because I get to ask all the questions that I want and I get to have all the information that I want. So it's always a pleasure, mashallah. So um, I love to start off this podcast by asking you a little bit about your background, sharing with me a little bit about, um, you know, who you are, what you do, and also what inspired you to create the Pillars app? What was it? What, what kind of moment or what kind of event happened that inspired you to go forward in that direction? Yeah. Um, so my name is Abdurrahman. I I grown up in the in the UK, United Kingdom. I am in London, uh, pretty much for my whole life uh, since I was born. And uh, I guess uh, my parents they were immigrants. So my mum's from Palestine, from Palestine. My dad's from Iraq. Um, they came here to to essentially for their careers and for their degrees. And ever since then. Um, that, so they 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 grew up here, and I was born in London in in Chelsea. If anyone knows the soccer club, quite close to there. And um, now I'm a medical student at University College London. Um, I'm in my fifth year, so I've got I'm entering my final year now. And yeah, with regards to pillars, so uh, essentially the story is a it's an interesting story. My co-founder Tariq um, and I we both studied UCL. Uh, he's a computer science student and during November 2020 I'm not sure if you or the listeners remember but uh, what happened was that um, a motherboard so Vice if you know the news agency Vice uh, they essentially um, reported that a, a very popular app which had maybe a hundred million users uh, had essentially been sharing data with a third party and the data was Muslim location. So the the users of that app, their location data was being shared. And that third party was linked with the US military. And so obviously, as you can imagine, a lot of Muslims got really upset about that. They thought they felt a huge sense of betrayal. And there was a outpour of um, essentially um, disgust on social media and people were very upset. People were calling for others to delete the app and essentially raise awareness. So at that time, Tarek and I, I can't remember who initiated the call, but um, we contact each other on WhatsApp. We'd, we'd already been friends for a good while um, at university. We'd met at a society event and he essentially uh, said to me, or I said to him, uh, like, why don't we just build something, a solution to this? Uh, we were quite surprised that the options out there were not necessarily the nicest apps to use. And um, we were also surprised that a lot of those apps had ads as well. And, and there were already issues with the app before this privacy kind of scandal had occurred. 
And we thought we could do a better job, to be honest with you. And initially, the idea was just to set up a very, very quick project, like a, a, a one-week project. We thought we'd open source it. And by open sourcing, I mean, we'd essentially create the app and make it available, the code available in the community so that people could kind of build on it and it becomes a sort of community project. And we thought we'd do that in only a week um, and we'd do it very quickly. Um, and that was sort of like our gift or a sort of response from the community as a result of this. But as time goes on, uh, we decide to kind of take this more seriously, I guess. And we decide to say, actually, we can, there's a lot of things that we could potentially do with this. And so we uh, build the app in about four weeks, four or five weeks. We spend, basically, we do it full time. We do a sprint. Um, I'm designing. Tarek, my co-founder, he's developing, coding the app. And alhamdulillah, in the last 10 days of Ramadan, I believe it was when we decided to, to launch the app. There were still things that we didn't have ready, but we thought we really wanted to get it out in Ramadan. We really wanted people to, and a lot of people were asking us to essentially to launch it. We, we'd gained this amazing, amazing community on Twitter. Um, we'd had like over 4,000 down uh, signups on our waiting list to, to try the app because we'd been sharing designs. The, the community had been engaging with us, asking what, what we had planned and we would ask them what they wanted from, from, from the app. Mm-hmm. And we regularly, we, even the name Pillars was something that we, we got as a result of engaged with the community. We did polls and we, we had four names and we let people pick and one of them was Pillars and Pillars was the winner. Um, and yeah, we launched and Alhamdulillah, um, we launched and I think we got 15,000 downloads extremely quickly. And then from then we've, uh, we're about over three months now and we're about 40,000. So that was the sort of story and the kind of trigger of what started this whole journey. I love it, brother. I want to know specifically for you, what is it that made you feel like, cause a lot of people will look at what you, what you, what you built as a business and, uh, and a lot, of, I get a lot of questions similar to this, which is. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of other people that have a successful business in this industry or that have successful business that are doing this specific thing. You know, why would I launch something else? Uh, it's already being done, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and this, this objection comes up a lot uh, when I speak to aspiring entrepreneurs. They feel like if there's already someone doing it, that means that's it. There's no opportunity there. And of course, clearly, uh, one of the motivating factors for you, as you've mentioned, was the fact that you've seen and you've experienced um, that there was an existing, uh, we call this an incumbent in business, but there was an, an, an existing incumbent in the market, which is someone who led the market. Um, and they weren't doing a job that was quite satisfactory because of the privacy concerns, et cetera. And you mm. saw that opportunity to go in. Now, what made you feel like you could still, like, like that opportunity was there? And what made you feel like, you know what, I'm going to go for it? Because a lot of people do get ideas. I'm sure a lot of people saw this you know, notification or this, um, you know, this, this article that essentially said that this app uh, was sharing their data. And a lot of people had an idea, well, I wish there was an app that didn't share their data, but you're a medical student and to go and build a tech app is, is a stretch. So what is it that made you feel like, you know what, not only do I feel like we need this, but I'm going to go and I'm going to decide to build it. What is it within you that you think made you take that decision? It's a good question. And um, something that happened when we launched the app is we did get a lot of those messages from people saying, I had a similar idea, mm-hmm. um, but for one reason or another, I didn't end up building um, like an app as a result. Um, and it is worth saying that there are a lot of apps on the App Store when you search for a prayer time. We're, we're definitely not the only alternative. There's thousands, I think, of other prayer apps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people and i was probably of a similar mindset when i approach something 
I want to think I want to I want to do something completely unique. I want to do something that's very uh, kind of uh, I guess uh, very I want to I want to essentially create something very um original and something that people have never seen before and this is going to be like my 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 southwide idea. but I think something that's very very missing in a lot of entrepreneurs or one of the entrepreneurs mindsets is that actually there's a lot of spaces that are ripe for disruption that are already um, kind of being served, but being served quite badly. Mm. And so if you look in a lot of spaces, there is a lot of chances where you can essentially think, how can I do this, but better? Um, and that's all we did, really. Uh, we didn't come up with a magic way of calculating prayer times. We didn't kind of um, do anything in that sense. But what we did do is we looked at what was available and we thought, this is not good enough. And it's true that we thought that kind of before this happened but I think when that moment when that article was released and this whole scandal happened um, and having already kind of built things in the past kind of re reduces the barrier to entry um, of I could actually create a solution I think when you when anyone learns to code for example or learns to build things it's very uh, it's a it's transformative in the way that you think about problems because in the past you would come across a problem and you might complain, but you you won't really know you won't you won't go further than that because you don't necessarily you don't have the tools to be able to fix it. Mm -hmm. But when you do learn these things or have access to kind of friends where you can partner with them and work with them, like I did with Tariq, so I, I was able to contribute the design side and Tariq was able to contribute with the coding side of things. When you have that. You and you've done things like that before, where you built Sitarah. So both of us actually had already built websites or apps in the uh, beforehand, and that mm -hmm. makes us approach this problem very differently. And we look at it and we think we could do this. This is definitely a manageable and doable things. And I think the advice would be for people who are maybe not too sure would always be get stuck in. It can be a small problem. Uh, it, it's sometimes very daunting. But when you get stuck in, it changes your, I, I don't want to be very, very over the top and say it changes your life. But in a way it does, because it does make you think, it makes you think, well, I can do something about that. And that's exactly the mentality. And we've even got a screenshot of our messages that we sent to each other when, when this first happened. Mm -hmm. And it was very casual. It was like, well, why don't we just do it ourselves? Let's build it. And that's literally how it all started. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you because, uh, in that same vein, when you mentioned, you know, you partnered with uh, with a friend that you had uh, thought specifically to develop mm -hmm. this app. I wanted to ask you because, um, of course, you're, you're from a background uh, of medicine and um, well, studying medicine. And I believe are you are you already graduated? Are you working? Or are you still on that path? I, final year. So I'm I'm one year away from graduating. Inshallah. OK, mashallah. Amazing. So you're on that path, which is not app development. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> did you, one thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, did you, uh, and, and that was a question that you kind of touched upon, but I'd love more details, which is, did you or your co-founder, uh, Tariq, have a software development background or did you hire an agency to help you build? Or was it, you know, you, as you mentioned, you brought in the design and then you had your friend Tariq who had a background in development and then you could bring those two uh, talents together. Hmm. I, uh, so, so, um, I, me and Tariq, both of us actually don't didn't don't have the skills to do what we did via our degrees. So even though Tariq, who comes from a sort of mathematical computational background, actually to be more specific, he 
doesn't learn app development as part of his course. Okay. And I obviously don't learn designing or marketing or business from my course <laughs> as medicine. Yeah. But there's obviously still overlaps in terms of the skills. So that's worth considering. So, so for example, even the way that I talk to patients and the way that I kind of communicate, there are skills there that is helpful when I'm talking to customers and trying to find out what the pain points are for customers. Mm-hmm. But putting that aside, what I'm trying to say really is that we both had to self-teach ourselves quite a lot. Um, to get to where we are now and fortunately things have become easier so Tarek had to self-teach himself to app develop uh, we use Flutter is the code base which which okay. makes things easier as well because Flutter means when you code on Flutter you sort of um, you, you only have one code base and, and you're automatically um, able to provide a Android and Apple app so you don't need to kind of do two different code bases natively um, so, so Tarek had to self-teach that and for me during one of my years at medical school it's, it's kind of a, it's not a gap year, but it's like an integration year where we do more research-based things. Mm-hmm. We have a fr- bit more free time. And so I self-taught myself design. So I really, I didn't even do a course. All I did was I downloaded a, an app called Sketch. It's very similar to Figma, if people know that. Um, and I just basically started to kind of create these ideas. I'm, I have, I'm one of those people who have lots of ideas. So I just sort of create concepts of those apps. And, and obviously, when you're not coding them, you can design them much quicker. So it's very nice. You can create prototypes and things like that using Sketch, mm-hmm. which is quite nice. And and both of us learned self-taught ourselves in that sense. And then when we came in, obviously, with regards to Pillars specifically, when that idea came, we were using those skills that we'd kind of independently learned outside of our um, kind of degrees or education. And to touch on your other question with regards to whether we did it ourselves or um, agency, so obviously we did this ourselves and I would generally advise people not to use an agency actually. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I think, oh, it's, it's difficult to explain this in a, in a very quick manner, but essentially when you're doing, um, uh, when you're building a, a kind of app or website or an idea to start off with, it's very easy to be very concentrated on the solution and your product or service and essentially forget why you're building it and and what the problem is you're trying to solve. In reality, you should be someone who is very much in touch with your customer all the time. And if you're building the solution, you have direct control over it. When you're like the intermediate uh, person between the customer and understanding their problems and then the agency and trying to communicate to them what features you think should be in place, I don't think you're best placed for that. On top of that, there are other benefits like it's very expensive usually to use an agency more, more often than not. And now there's also the huge rise of no code tools and those have kind of completely changed the game, to be honest with you. Um, even so, so you mentioned MedMentor, which is my other kind of social enterprise that's completely built on, on no code. Um, pillars isn't it's pillars is a bit more complex than that, but um, no code is rising. And, and to, to quickly summarize no code, it's essentially helping people build um, very advanced kind of softwares or previous softwares that would be previously considered too advanced to do without code, but using essentially drag and drop sort of tools. Um, it's a bit more complex than that, but it's essentially a much, much quicker and simpler version of building things using code. So you, you kind of skip that whole process of learning how to code and, 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 and all of that. And so no code has meant that a lot of people can become essentially creators a lot more easily than, than in the past. All right, that's really, really interesting that you share that. And 
And so you guys really were able, mashallah, to actually create this whole thing from scratch yourselves from, from, from all the way from the development phase to now the launch phase, correct? So it's still you two. Did you hire anyone else in the team since then? Or is it still you two right now working on this? No, it's just us two. Um, I get some help from my brother with the marketing, especially when things were getting very um, heated up in terms of a lot of engagement on social media. But otherwise, it's just us two with the designers, developers and marketers. Amazing, mashallah. So since then, you've launched, I mean, if I remember correctly from when I read uh, your bio and the information. So this idea, I believe, if I remember correctly, was, uh, you know, came to be in November of last year. And you've launched pretty quickly since then. Right. So uh, this is a launch. Uh, when you talk about like idea to app launch, this is, it was an idea to app launch in under 12 months, which actually doesn't happen very often. And it's really impressive, mashallah. So you actually approached like a lean and mean strategy to get to market fast, which is something that I absolutely mm. love in entrepreneurship. And I love, and I think every person should approach that strategy Definitely. when they're building a business. So, you know, I want to ask you, can you walk us through what is that approach that you took, uh, why you took that approach and, and how did you go about it, you know, to go to launch so quickly? Is it that you focused on with the essentials and then you went and built out based on that? Or, you know, what was that process like for you? Yeah, um, so actually, even though the idea we had in November, um, there was a gap because when that report was released, we didn't actually have, um, we were both very busy. So whilst we wanted to work on this, we both kind of went back after the kind of hype had, had died down to what we were doing before. And it was only until about February that we actually made kind of contact in the sense that we started to say, let's start building it. So it's actually much shorter than 12 months. The actual time from building and, and like, kind of having like starting work on on, on the app uh, in a serious sense was about maybe one or two months. And I think generally speaking, most ideas in terms of their MVP, so their bare bones should technically take something, well, maybe not one to two months, but under six months really. Um, and this is also one of the reasons why I say don't use an agency because the, the tendency there is to kind of try and build what is a perfect product, your finished end product with all the kind of bells and whistles, all the gadgets, all the features that you could ever want uh, from your idea. Um, but really what you want to do is, as you were saying, uh, and I'm really glad you said this, which is trying to build it as quickly as possible. Um, uh, so I think the, the saying is move, move fast, break things, um, is the kind of classic Silicon Valley saying. Um, but really what you want to do is understand as quickly as possible if people really want what you're building. Obviously you want to do research before that to identify the problems that they have. And so for us, the problem was so obvious, like we didn't even need to do research to understand it because everyone was kind of like, you were getting Omar Suleiman and, and like very large and influential uh, kind of Muslim um, uh, influencers, if you want to call them that, to, to essentially like, without rage on, on social media about privacy. So we knew privacy was a concern and we knew ads was also an issue based on our own experiences and people's experiences. And so we kind of knew that the problem was very obvious, but what we were keen on when we came to building the app is our app itself doesn't actually have an incredible amount of features compared to other apps. So if you were to compare us to the like next nine apps in terms of prayer apps that are out there, you won't necessarily find that our app has like a million times more features than those. But what you probably, if anything, our app probably has uh, less features. But what we did is we focused on what were the biggest issues instead. And the biggest issues don't tend to be that they want more features. The biggest issues tend to be things like that there are ads or that they um, uh, 
there are privacy issues your data is being collected and 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 the design is is not intuitive and it feels overwhelming and it's not very well built and so we focused on that and actually we we regularly had conversations Tarek and I about um whether we should inc- wait to include another feature so essentially should we delay our launch to include this other feature or should we just launch um and we would regularly say actually no that's not necessary what we want to do is get the necessary kind of app out there the very very core stuff and get it out um, and we left everything else and we said well, we can add this later with they can come as part of future updates and um that helped us quickly get validation so um that meant that we could see people's response and that we could act on what people were kind of feeding back to us rather than we what we thought we should be doing ourselves um and i think that's a generally a very important skill is what they call an mvp a minimal viable product is really try and build what is the core product before you try and add all these features if you think that another feature is going to help you suddenly become successful if you've built something and people aren't necessarily uh, using it or buying it uh, adding another feature 9 times out of 10 isn't going to be the reason why it suddenly takes off um usually you need to reconsider the core what the core problem is and what your solution is trying to do um and i think that's why it's really helpful to not spend 12 to 12 months to like 24 months trying to build 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 and you still don't know if people actually want what you want you want to get it out and figure it out you know that rather than later right right i love that answer mashallah and so i completely agree with that methodology because you know when you look at uh again especially right now in this market where everything is global everything is a little bit more uh open to essentially everyone right as in you you create an app or you create a business your your community or your customers are not your local area anymore it's not just limited to your city or your country it's usually a, a, a global audience and what that means is it 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 provides opportunities in regards mm-hmm. to you know you have now this bigger much bigger pool of potential customers that you can work with but it also provides uh challenges and some of them are for example speed to market it's important that you're you know lean and mean you have an approach where you know you want to be the first person to connect uh to 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 kind of reach your your audience or your clients with your solution um and try to be a pioneer uh in of sorts right in regards to uh whatever it is that you're building so i appreciate you sharing that and and one more question that i have for you is one thing that i really like about the approach that you guys followed is how you involved your audience and and your potential clients or prospects mm. in the development of the software You've clearly taken an approach and I w- looked at your Twitter and looked at you know how you guys have uh, kind of been handling um the development process and did a little bit of stalking if I may say and uh and essentially what I saw is that you guys really involved your audience in the development process. You guys were asking them as you mentioned earlier, you know, what should we call the app? What features do you guys want next? And and you're kind of involving people and you're doing the market research. And I remember even seeing yes asking you a few questions to see is there even a need for this, right? Is there a need for this app? And and so you've clearly you know really taking the right steps in terms of building where a lot of people think they need to come up with the perfect product or like the perfect application and the way that they're going to do that is by mm. sitting down and brainstorming and writing down a list of things they think their clients want whereas you've taken the right approach which is you you actually go to your clients and you ask them what they want and then you build something based on that so walk us through that a little bit tell me you know how did you proceed with the market research and what would you recommend for someone that is thinking of building an app you know what should they be looking out for when it comes to the market research validating their business idea yeah so i think if i were to be able to give like two kind of um recipes for uh, at least two factors that are huge factors in our recipe for success if you want to call it that that's a subjective thing in itself but um 
the first thing I would definitely say is the MVP side of things. Don't try and build all the bells and whistles. And the second thing that you you, you mentioned now is essentially it's something called building in public and it's mm -hmm. been a game changer for me so this is the first project that i've ever done where i've done this building in public and what it means is sharing your process so mm -hmm. right from the start of building our app before we'd even started coding it and we only had like kind of initial designs i was taking screenshots i was posting them on social media saying hey guys what do you think of this this is what i'm doing this is what i'm up to and obviously down the line as we get more and more into the building process we were starting to have things like polls where we are asking people. So one of the things that we did is we asked people, how important is it to you to have a widget? Are you, would you consider switching your prayer app if, you, if, if another one didn't have a widget? Mm -hmm. And we found from that that the majority of people wanted a widget. And so for us, that was a clear indication that actually maybe our first product needs to have a widget as opposed to not. Um, and that can help streamline the process um, on what, what's really key and what's not um but i think yeah i think i think so so this building in public is is really helpful why because what tends to happen is people think i need to be very secretive i need to kind of not share my idea and share what i'm working on right up until launch day when i launch i'll i'll then have this um i'll then like uh, i'll reveal to the world and everyone will be like amazed by what i built and then hopefully i'll get lots and lots and lots of customers but actually what ends up happening is you end up being in your own bubble. You don't have anyone who's critiquing your idea. Mm -hmm. And often it is hard to get criticism on your idea because it feels like your baby. You've been working really hard to build it. And you're yeah. very passionate about it. But it, it you, you get essentially um, in this bubble where you don't know anything about whether this will actually work up until launch day. And mm -hmm. so what I really think is something that helped us and that hopefully can help others is sharing your process early the chances are you're not likely to be copied by someone else. The, the biggest risk that you're having that you're getting rid of is the chances of your idea failing, essentially. Yeah. That's a much bigger risk than the risk of someone else copying you, to be yeah. honest uh, with you. And that's something I struggled with because I struggled with sharing. Like my dumb always like, oh, what if someone takes it? But I, I had to try to overcome that. And I think it's it's been a transformative kind of experience as a result. And so, yeah, I would say, one thing you can do for example is so focus on one social media don't try and like do everything that's what we did we focused on just twitter we didn't think oh we need to be on every platform we need to be on facebook on youtube on instagram on linkedin we're two people we're very busy we're also like i said we both got degrees but we're also um doing the other parts of the business like the design and the uh, and the business side of things and the coding side of things and so we've got to be mindful of that so we focused on just twitter and we set up a website with just a sign up box very simple web page nothing com complex about it and we said if you want what we're building and here are screenshots of what we're building sign up here and you'll find out first mm -hmm. and that was also another kind of very strong um this was before we launched the app obviously so that was a really good way of figuring out whether people wanted what we were building because we got four thousand signups when we did that uh, within about a, two, a week or two and so for us that was a good indicator before you build so even even now, I, when someone comes to me with an idea, I sometimes say to them, well, why don't you just quickly design that so you can show people what it would look like and what it would do? Describe mm -hmm. it, set up a website, and just post that with a, with a like sign-up link. Just do that. And then see how many sign-ups you get. Obviously, you might need to do a bit more posting. If you're not active on social media, you might need to, to work on that a bit. But just do that before you even start building, before you hire an agency, before you start paying tons of money or learning, learning how to do something, and then see how that goes. And if that if you tend, if you get a lot of interest or maybe people push you another direction, 
that will help you figure out things really early and you don't have to spend 12 months building something 10 20 thousand dollars or pounds or whatever um paying for something and then only realizing later and that that's all very disheartening i've yeah. been through that process mm -hmm. definitely i completely agree with that always see if you can find like an alternative uh to building uh you know before building that where it allows you to test the market demand and really validate that idea before you exactly. go in, before you go all in um <laughs> So I really appreciate you sharing that, Michelle. We've already thought, we already have a lot of uh, questions coming in from the audience. So guys, if you have any questions in regards to develop, app development or pillars and what they do, or even for Abdurrahman himself um, as uh, one of the co-founders, please drop them in the chat. We'll get to them uh, towards the end of the podcast. But I still got a few questions of my own, so I'm gonna put you guys on hold for a bit. Um, so I wanna ask you right now, what was the biggest lesson that you learned throughout this process of, of building and launching pillars? Oh, that's a that's a good question <laughs> in any particular manner or just in any yeah it could be you know personally like personal growth mindset or you know in terms of business development anything really but what do you feel was your biggest takeaway so far um maybe i've already shared it um but i feel like um yeah your idea isn't as valuable as you think mm -hmm. uh try and share early on um, because I think um, something that I've learned the hard way in the past is that I've spent six months, I remember building a product in the past where I then launched it and then only then figured out that it wasn't necessarily the thing that people wanted. There wasn't a demand for it. And I think with this, um, the really nice thing is that we, because we were sharing things along the way, people were excited about it even before we'd started building it. And it's really nice when you have that, right? When you have people who are really excited to use what you've, got planned and then you get the motivation to continue building and even now like people are very motivated by what we've got planned in the future so it's yeah. really nice for us to think let's keep going and so yeah i guess the the biggest lesson is um get go to people and ask them to critique your idea like get them to like give them give them your idea and tell them can you like destroy it for me <laughs> um mm -hmm. can, can you really rip it apart and tell me what the problems are with why is this going to fail um, yeah, I, th I hope that answers your question. No, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I want to know for you, do you feel like throughout this process of building a business, because one thing that I do notice for myself is that as you go through a journey like this, and of course your journey is just beginning, mashallah, and there's a lot more to come uh, and I pray for your mashallah. success. But as you, as you kind of go through this journey, I feel like the biggest benefit we do ultimately get at the end of the day is who we become through this path, through this path and journey of entrepreneurship. Do you feel like you this has changed your perspective in any way or maybe your mindset or has given you something and on a personal level um that you can take away so far from what you yeah done. i'd say there's two yeah definitely uh, there's two main things i'd say so the first thing is sincerity just before mm -hmm. i forget them and the second thing is more about uh prioritizing the process and and the journey rather than just the destination mm -hmm. so with sincerity um i it's very easy to kind of lose yourself uh, when you're building something i guess this is more specific to it being a muslim based product um it's very easy to kind of lose um essentially forget why you initially started out doing it it was initially going to be a project that we wanted to give to the community it still is uh, something that we want to kind of um uh, something that inshallah Allah will reward us for and something that will benefit the community mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a really important to the thing that i've learned is it's really key to make sure that you hold yourself accountable 
and others accountable that you don't run away with the I guess success again I don't like using that term because success can be defined in a lot of ways but um yeah essentially I, I hope that makes sense but essentially it's just yeah. make sure that you're accountable yourself make sure that you're not getting ahead of yourself and like it's not getting I guess to your head somewhat and make sure that even Tarek and I Tarek's great and he's amazing because he always reminds me um, even indirectly, like he won't necessarily tell me, uh, Abdurrahman, you're doing this or this, but he'll do things that makes me think about, like, for example, for a period of time, he, he decided to leave social media just to disconnect himself from from a lot of like the, the, the things that were happening mm-hmm. and just make sure that he was like focused, I guess, um, on, on his intentions. And I think that was something that made me reflect. The second thing I would say is about the journey. I'm someone who really, really struggles saying I'm going to hustle 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 so that at the end of the day I can get to where I want to and I'm not going to like enjoy uh, I'm not going to like spend time with my um, family or friends I'm going to just get my head down it's all about getting the workout down and later on I'll have this break later on I'll feel that I can essentially relax and I Mm -hmm. think that's a really big mistake because having spoken to a lot of other people and uh, heard their journeys it's very often that I get uh, that they say that when they get to that destination that they had set for themselves, actually what happens is the goalposts move. They, that that mm-hmm. goal becomes further down and it becomes right. a bigger goal. So so for us, it could have been like getting to 10,000 is our goal. But actually now we're at 40,000. We might be thinking, oh, I want it a million. It never really ends. It could be 2 million, 10 million, 20 million, who knows? And so um, something that I learned about myself and I regularly ask people around me to remind me about is to kind of make sure that you enjoy the process of building something, the process of launching a business. Because if you don't, you'll A, burn out, and B, you just won't enjoy uh, the process or your life or, or, the, or the thing you're doing. I mean, what's the purpose of it at the end of the day? Um, it's it's to obviously to make an impact, but also to, to give you satisfaction and make sure that you're feeling good about yourself and what you're doing. So don't wait for that for later because it won't come unless you kind of prioritize it now. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a balance to this in these things, Def- but I, I, de- I definitely wasn't as balanced as I should have been. Uh, I said I was still working on it actually now. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and I like the point that you made about sincerity, because a lot of mm-hmm. times um, we don't realize, but there's actually as Muslims, we have a bonus, uh, a little bonus that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us uh, for being Muslims, guys. And I'm going to share it with you guys right now. And and the bonus is this, is that when you're when you're Nia, when you're intention, as you mentioned, if you're building something for the Ummah, or even if you're building something for Muslims and non-Muslims alike, but your intention, your niya is when you approach your business, that you're approaching it from a place of trying to help and serve others. And that niya becomes, you know, I'm trying to help and serve others with the niya of helping others, providing for myself, running for my family and doing this in a halal manner. Well, now your work becomes almost a form of ibadah, becomes a form of worship, mm-hmm. right? So subhanAllah. So that is like a little bonus that we get as Muslims, guys. You know, if you if you look at your intention and you, you know, you check your sincerity, then that actually allows you, you know, maybe you're getting some good deeds now every time you spend some spend some hours working on your business, right? And, and who doesn't want that? Um, so I really appreciate you touching upon that point. Yeah, uh, I think, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, please just go to, ahead, please add on to it. Let's go. <laughs> just because I, I really liked what you were saying. And I think it's also worth really highlighting that a lot of people often think that for them, for, for it to be a bad, it's got, they've got to work on an idea that might only benefit the Muslim community or might only benefit 
um, from an Islamic perspective. I mean, Pillars is a prayer app, so it's very obvious where where, where it's helping, right? But yeah. I think people often, something that's really important to us Muslims, something that Allah's actually commanded us to do is to serve humanity. And serve humanity doesn't mean just Muslims. As long as you're doing something that isn't haram, obviously, you're providing benefit. Anything, anything at all can be an ibadah, as you say. Um, any business no it doesn't have to be a muslim based business um as you say it just has to you just got to make sure that your intention is there if your intention is to uh serve humanity and and, and provide benefit for the community regardless of what it is it could just be an education and non-islamic education it could be in many things um then inshallah the reward there is huge uh, and i think uh, it's important that because i don't why what i think sometimes can happen is muslims can sometimes uh, box themselves into only one part of uh, we need to we it should be for muslims to be known for doing lots of things as opposed yeah. to just one thing um yeah. and inshallah we can do that inshallah definitely brother definitely well thanks to this podcast we're discovering a lot of muslims like yourself who are um so that's awesome uh i want to ask you where do you see your app going in the future so what is the direction that pillars is going to take inshallah in the, in the months to come mm. so um i guess we're what we're now doing is there's two kind of pathways that we can go down one pathway is focusing on on mosques and how we can digitize mosques and essentially connect them better to the community but actually um and i guess this is a kind of sharing the process and the lessons that we learned having spoken to quite a few mosques i think we realized that we're not quite ready for that yet and even mosques aren't probably quite ready for it yet um and so we're sort of shifting patterns to the other pathway that we were considering and the best way to describe this is a sort of um, what we want to do is really help on the spiritual side of things. There's a lot of these spiritual productivity apps out there, but they're not very much focused on the Muslim uh, community or, or Muslims in general. It doesn't align because obviously for us, Islam's a way of life. It should come into everything that we do. Um, and so obviously as this productivity hype and, and, and um, spirituality hype and purpose of life hype, that, that's kind of taking off all across the world, um, for, especially for non-Muslims. What we really want to do is kind of think about that but from the Muslim side of things. How can we help provide, uh, build the tools essentially to help Muslims improve themselves and essentially help them elevate themselves from a spiritual and non-spiritual side of things, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very high level <laughs> explanation yeah. of what we want to go down. But we're actually figuring things out ourselves in terms of exactly how we were going to go about that. Um, but we're really excited. The best way we're thinking about it is how we... I think a really nice way is when you're building something that you would use yourself. That's what what we're doing now. That's the really nice thing about this kind of pathway that we're going down is that we are trying to build an app that we're proud of ourselves to use, something that would work for us. And inshallah, if it works really well for us, then we'll be really excited to share it with the rest of the community and the world, really, inshallah. That's amazing, inshallah. Definitely, definitely. Well, I got one more question for you, brother. And uh, this one is a question that I ask every single guest on this podcast before we dive into some audience questions inshallah and the question is if you could meet abdul rahman from uh, a few years ago uh, i would say even before you started this app uh, and before you even started embed mentor so before you even started you know exploring this entrepreneurship side of you uh, and you could you could tell him one thing that he could hold on to uh, as he went through his entrepreneurial journey what would that one thing be for you i guess um which is mm. put, put, put your reliance on, on Allah. Things will work out. It might not be the first thing that you work on. It might not be the second thing that you work on. But actually, everything that I've done up until now, including all the failures, every single one of them has had a significant lesson involved in it that has meant that if I didn't have that lesson, 
um, I wouldn't have been able to. I don't think we would have necessarily had this. Allahu alam, but I don't think we necessarily would have had the same level of success with pillars. So mm-hmm. all of those failures were actually part of the success journey of pillars, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and and actually, if you just take pillars in isolation, then I don't think it would have been successful because I wouldn't have had those journeys. I, the, I would have learned those lessons through pillars. So I, I guess in some ways. Um, as much you can do, obviously, a lot of courses, you can do a lot of online engagement. I think listening to other founders is also a really good source of like learning um, and, and, and understanding their journeys. But as much as you can do all those things, sometimes the failures are necessary for you to be able to, to become uh, or get the somewhat success at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's mm. beautiful, mashallah. I love that answer. Tawakkul on Allah. Mashallah. That's really, really nice. Thank you so much for sharing that, bro. Um, Not at all. We got a few questions that have come in from the audience. So we're going to actually go and uh, see if we can answer some of those. If that's all right with you. Inshallah. Let's do it. Bismillah. So yeah. um, one of the questions that we have here, um, Bismillah, let's see which one are we going to take from the audience, guys. If you got any more, drop them in the chat. We've already got, I think, four or five. That I'm going to pull up right now. Uh, let's see what we got so far. Mashallah, lots of comments today, guys. Lots of engagement. That's awesome. So we got one here. Uh, let's see. So this one is how long, so it's a privacy question actually, uh, or data question. How long does pillars app keep data? Do you have a data retention schedule in place? Um, and did you have to go through any legal or regular regulatory compliances? Uh, so I'll answer the second part. No, we don't have any regulatory or legal compliances, uh, because <laughs> it's a very simple answer. We don't collect any data whatsoever. Um, so actually, if you open us up on the Apple Store, you'll see that under our app is there's no data collected. Um, having said that, um, so yeah, so so to answer, we don't keep any data. The location data, which uh, is used to work out your prayer times, because the app does use your location to work out prayer times, but it doesn't store it. So so that information is kind of work, worked out locally on the phone. And then it's sort of, um, that's it. We, we, we don't have any backend servers or anything like that that stores it. The thing to say, though, is in the future, it's undoubt, like, to be able to do certain features, you will need to have a certain amount of data collection. Um, but we are aware that this is something that's very sensitive. So we're very much uh, thinking about the policies and the ways that we're going to go about that. Some of the suggestions that we've had, and I'd love to hear what, what your audience think about these, mm-hmm. is um, essentially giving people the option. Some people are very, very sensitive about being sharing anything, even if it's anonymized, even if it has no links to their personal information, they still would rather not share any information. And we want to be able to give those people a kind of no data sharing uh, option, which is what the app is now. But for mm-hmm. those who want to be able to unlock these features, which rely on specific information, um, we would like to give them the option because obviously some of the features that we have planned are things that would require it. And we, we want to obviously build out and do more than what we are now. Not doing any data at all is very limiting. Um, but where it's possible, where we can avoid any data being uh, used or collected, that's obviously the priority. Um, so inshallah, yeah, um, that's, that's our approach is a minimal data approach with an opt-in, opt-out system. I love that, mashallah. And that's actually really transparent, right? So it's like, you know what? We don't even need compliance because we don't keep data. So that's amazing, mashallah. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um, so that's an, I have another interesting interesting question here, uh, more about development. Um, so this one is many Islamic apps are repetitive in nature, so they're not so appealing. How do you make an app engaging? 
So, I mean, for you yeah. guys, I guess, what, what was the approach that you guys took to, to make it more engaging? I know that I really loved the way that it's designed and everything else, but uh, I'll let you answer that question. Yeah, two things, I'd say. Two things that separate, I guess, our app from others and something that, inshallah, others can take away if they're thinking about a, pre- uh, a Muslim app, sorry, mm-hmm. um, is the design. I think it's very underrated. I think if you look at all the... Uh, the there's a lot of uh, apps out there, as I was saying earlier in the podcast, but a lot of them are not necessarily the best in terms of their UI, the user interface and the user experience. I think getting someone who understands these things or learning it yourself is really, really important and helpful to have. Um, so so definitely that's one way to stand out, essentially. The second way to stand out is essentially the community side of things. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where there's an interesting... Um, so, so we obviously worked really hard on building a community. There were reasons for this. The first reason was to try and get the work out there to get people to know that what we're doing. The second reason was to build trust based on the fact that lots of people felt their trust was broken, even though it went... So I don't want to name the app, but even though that app might not be the only app out there, people were feeling quite reluctant to download the other apps out there. Just purely based on that experience, they just felt that they couldn't trust any app. So obviously that was something, a hurdle that we had to overcome. So we thought the only way we can do that is by talking to the community, by putting ourselves out there so people knew exactly who the co-founders were behind them. They can see who we are, where we study, what we do, and they can engage with us directly. Because the problem is with a lot of these apps is that actually the founders tend to stay behind the scenes and they tend to not put themselves out there. Now, there are good reasons for this Islamically, right? We're going back to sincerity. A lot of people, because of sincerity, they don't want to put their names out there and their faces out there because they want it to be a sincere form of charity. And, and I completely get that. That's 100% a good, uh, a valid reason for them doing that. The reality is, though, unfortunately, that because trust had been broken, people aren't going to necessarily engage with you unless they feel that you can trust you. So you do just like just like with a lot of things, like the, the same way that you'd want to know who is on your mosque board yeah. um, because you want to know what they're up to, what they're doing with the donation money. You'd want to know who is behind the app because you want to be able to trust them, especially in light of that experience. So I think two things. Really, really, really think about design. Design is a superpower. People very much underrate it. Um, if you learn good design, you can often make our app isn't feature heavy, but because of that, I think it stands out. And the second thing is, is consider your community early. Very much a, a strong approach now in business is thinking about what they call distribution. So thinking about building your audience before you even have anything to sell them mm-hmm. or anything to give them. That's a very big kind of mentality now. So think about growing your either social media platform and just focus on one. Don't try and do it across lots of things, whether it's on TikTok, inshallah, it's like useful stuff or, or on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter or Instagram, build that community make it around the sort of topics that you want to be like kind of basing your product on. And then when that's, you can actually use that as well to get feedback directly like we did. And then you can obviously bring in what you are planning on building or what you are building. Um, right. So inshallah, that's, that's helpful. hundred percent. And that's actually really, really interesting that you share that because I shared that with a student recently who was interested in building an app. Uh, and it was all about that, right? Which is, it's so important to build an audience now in advance so yeah. you can right away start to do market research understand what they want and you have you know a pool of users that when you when you do release you know they're ready to consume and test it out for you and give you feedback so that's mm-hmm. always so important because if you're launching and then you're trying to build an audience it's much more difficult um so we got two more here that i'd love to i'd love to bring up inshallah uh one other one here uh is do you think if an app is made free of charge it loses its value or the other way around does it make it more popular it's an interesting question. 
It's a very, very good question, actually. Um, I think you need the, the question, it needs to consider the audience. So where certain, so the, the type of audience. So when you're like thinking about selling something or um, building something, you need to think about what is the sort of persona of the person that you're trying to get across to. I think there are in the very productivity focused space things, those people tend to have more cash to spend and they tend to be more up for paying for productivity tools. Mm-hmm. For those sorts of people, they do value a paid sort of service. They, they, yeah. they, they do see more value in something that's paid. And even if it might reduce the number of users, they would still prefer that. And, and for the builder, the, the creator, they'll probably make more money than if they had a free and paid version sort of thing. So, so there's that sort of that person that you can think about. There's another group, and, and I think with Muslims, there is a reluctance usually to subscribe to something. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, I don't want to like tar- like brush everyone with the same, like, tarnish everyone with the same brush, but yeah. um, there is a reluctance, and you do need to offer what I call upfront value. So you need to provide something for free, and then once you've kind of proven yourself, if you want to call it that, you can then provide them a paid alternative, which provides even more value that they now can pay for. And the reason they're more likely to pay for that is because they they know you, they trust you, they use your free product, they know like the quality that you provide. Um, so it's it's definitely a debate. People said to us that they would prefer if our app was like a pound to, to buy um, because it meant that they knew at least that we had money, which meant that we didn't need to rely on privacy things. But I don't think we would have got to 40,000 or anywhere near 40,000 if we did that, to be honest. Um, it, it, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if people would uh, consider getting the pillars if, if, if it was one pound two pounds or one dollar two dollars um yeah so i that actually brings me to the next question uh and we'll we'll kind of wrap up with this one guys uh so if you have any more questions drop them in the comments and i'll see if abdurrahman can uh can go answer them later on in the group but uh we got one more here and this one is so how do you generate revenue when you don't when you don't include ads in your app or in your case as well you're not charging for the app so what's your revenue model so we don't have a revenue uh model at the moment um, so, so our app is completely free at the moment. Um, fortunately, because we don't have agency costs or we're not hiring a, a kind of external developer, all the skills we have in-house, uh, me and Tariq, between ourselves, alhamdulillah, we cover all bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main commitment at the moment is time. Yeah. And, and I think that £100 that Apple asks for the developer license for the app development and the £40 that I think Google asks for. Yeah. But Raj, speaking, that's it. So... Um, and obviously, we're, we're wary that there's, yeah, essentially, that's it. But we are, the, the plan is, going forward, is to have an in-app subscription. But okay. we don't want to, it's not, it's not, we don't believe ads is a suitable, uh, a prayer app is a suitable place for ads, essentially. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to monetize through ads. And the problem with ads also is there's a data privacy issue, because when you have ads, you need to sort of track people for it to be very, efficient and ads experience because you don't know if you don't have tracking then you don't know what people are interested in which means you can't show them the specific ads so it's less valuable if you don't do that and that's kind of against our ethos in its essence so we 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 kind of push that to the side and that's not something that we want to do to monetize the 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 way that we want to monetize is by providing what we have for free and that's always going to be for free the current app but inshallah providing even more amazing features that will be of significant value that the community will be able to think this is something that I really, really want um, and I think is worthwhile uh, subscribing to. It's a challenge for us to build something that is that useful. But at the end of the day, that's what you should be. You don't really want to be conning people out of their money, right? You want to 
inshallah feel quite satisfied about providing a product that people really want to use and, and that's our aim so yeah. yeah definitely well thank you so much for sharing that brother and i think yeah definitely with i really like what you said which is you know you're keeping you're keeping your mission in the forefront and you realize that if if your mission is to create an app that has is more privacy centric uh, and, and focus on uh, the user and uh, and you know making sure that their data is secure. Uh, you don't want to do the the ads direction, and then I think definitely at that point uh, a subscription model is something that is is viable and something that you can look into for extra features or even for people who want to support you. And I'm sure there are many people who do want to support the work that you're doing, mashallah, and want to take benefit in it because there's barakah in it in helping people. You know, someone opens the app, you know, gets notified, oh, I need to go pray. That might be a hasana your way, right? So, um, so inshallah. It, inshallah. So that's definitely something that um, that people want, usually want to be part of and support. So, how can people in that same vein, uh, how can people go and support you and uh, download the app and and you know just keep track of what you guys are up to, um, inshallah, moving forward, so they can stay in touch and stay up to date. Yeah, of course. So um, the best way, obviously, is to download the app. Um, so you can search pillars on on the Apple Play Store. Can also go to our website thepillarsapp.com and you can follow the links there um yeah that's perfect um <laughs> and uh the other way so you can follow me on social media on twitter specifically i'm most active on there um at as abbas a so as abbas 98 um and to be honest with you the best way that you can support us at the moment, because there's not quite yet a financial way to support us. So mm -hmm. please do, if we have an, an, an in-app purchase, please do support us that way, because that is going to be one of the main ways of supporting us in the future. The best way to do it now is to download and share it, really. Sharing it across mm -hmm. your WhatsApp groups, with your families, um, on your social media. That That is probably the main way that we've managed to get to 40,000, is people's support and people's... Um, Essentially, people's uh, yeah. Essentially, people wanting to share it with their family, friends. I've lots of people who download it on their parents' phones, that sort of thing. So yeah. it's very nice. And um, yeah, and download the app and share it, inshallah, with as many people as you can across your social media groups. I love that, mashallah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and and you know so generously sharing your time and your knowledge with us today. I know I've learned a lot personally about you know app development, software de software development, and so many nuggets that I can take away from this episode and apply in my own business. And I'm sure that many people who listen will be able to do the same as well, guys. So please go ahead and if you're listening to this, uh, go and search Pillars on the App Store or the Android App Store. Give it a download and share it with your friends. Share it in the WhatsApp groups. Let people know this is a privacy-centric Muslim prayer app. They don't have ads right now. Um, they don't even collect any data, right? So uh, it's amazing, mashallah. And honestly, I tried it myself. The design is absolutely beautiful. Uh, it even tracks, you know, like the, the position of the sun throughout the day. So you get to see that. And that's pretty cool as well. Um, so definitely go and give it a give it a, a download and, and share it, inshallah. Abdul Rahman, thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Barakallahu feek. Thank it you. Was, Thanks for inviting me. No, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, brother. We enjoyed it a lot more. So we really appreciate having, having you here. And guys, uh, you know the drill uh, with this podcast. So if you enjoyed this episode, you're listening, um, and you've been benefiting from our content lately, we'd love it if you could just, you know, as well, share this podcast with your friends, uh, give us a rating on the App Store uh, or iTunes podcast, wherever you're listening to. Uh, and of course, uh, if you'd like help with your business, you want a little bit more hands-on help, you're thinking of starting a business, or you already have a business and you want to scale up, um, we're right now offering calls where we can, you know, 
map out a business plan with you and see if we can work together, inshallah. And you can take advantage of that at omarpreneur.com slash call. So go to omarpreneur.com slash call. You can book a call with our team there and we'll speak to you to see how we can help you build your business, inshallah. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. See you next episode. Assalamu alaikum.